0: Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. Today, we're joined by Monica Belsito, CMO of Lola. Lola is one of those amazing D2C brands that started in 2015 as a subscription service for tampons made with 100% organic cotton, but it's since evolved into a lifestyle brand for a woman's body and is now in brick and mortar stores. So they've made this leap from D2C to everywhere. Monica came to Lola from Dollar Shave Club back in 2016, and we're really excited to have her. Welcome, Monica.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. So excited to be here to talk all things marketing and Lola.
0: Yes, that's great. So tell us about yourself and and what, what CMO at Lola entails.
1: Sure. So, hi, I'm Monica, CMO of Lola. And at Lola, what that means is I oversee the marketing department, which since we've actually gone omni-channel, truly is in service of both of our sales channels. So, we have a VP of D2C, a VP of retail, and marketing ensures that our consumer really sees Lola across, you know, all forms of media, in-store POP, online, etc., in one cohesive way, and we can be there for her no matter where she sees us or finds us.
0: So tell me about Lola and its original subscription model.
1: Sure, so when we first launched the brand, actually the idea came to Jordana, one of our co-founders, when she was in business school. And this was you know, 2013, 2014 at the height of the subscription model becoming very, very popular and direct to consumer really taking off. I mean, you could basically subscribe to anything in a box and it would come delivered to your door, you know, beer of the month club, tie of the month club, et cetera. And when she was thinking about her own needs and her own life, you know, one thing that we as uh, women never wanted to subscribe to but obviously do is our periods and the thought process originally was you know I need this product every month incredibly consistently I consume you know a very unique assortment of period products to service my flow cuz every person's flow is different why isn't there a subscription that serves a very easily subscribable you know need for for women on a monthly basis and As she was looking at building the company and, and really understanding what position the brand could play in women's lives, what she quickly realized was that there was a huge need for ingredients transparency in this category in particular. It's a very sort of weird space that we are regulated in as a class two medical device. The FDA does not require medical device brands to label ingredients on their package. And so historically brands just haven't. And because periods are taboo and often not talked about openly among friends or you know, even among family members, we kind of just have this rote loyalty to the old brand. So, you know, typically whatever your mom or your older sister or your friend told you to use, you just used and never thought about it again. So with um, the launch of Lola, we asked a seemingly very obvious question. Do you know what's in your tampon? And the answer Across the board, no matter the education level, the income level, et cetera, was a resounding no. And that shocking aha moment was really what catapulted the naturals movement in period care, because we flipped it on its head from being better for earth to being better for you.
0: And and now you have launched in brick and mortar stores. You know, why did you decide to evolve beyond just the subscription model? Because everything you said makes absolutely perfect sense. It's pretty regular. Mm -hmm. You know exactly, generally speaking, how much you're going to consume. So why move away from that or or beyond that and go to the stores (laughs) outside of the subscription model? Yeah.
1: Beyond is absolutely the right word. So we haven't moved away from subscription. It's still very core to our direct consumer business. We've actually opened up direct consumer beyond subscription. That's something that we made the move when we launched into sexual wellness because we were launching things that were less inherently subscribable. So, you know, the the motto that we have here is really lean into the consumer and show up for her where she um, needs us whether that's in a brick and mortar store online delivered directly to her door consistently or on a one-time purchase and you know this year with covid, what we saw was that people actually had an increased anxiety for getting packages once a month. You know, rewind a year ago to when we were sanitizing everything that came into our homes. So what was once a convenience actually turned into an inconvenience and that is absolutely not what we want to be as a brand. So, you know, if subscription is convenient for her, we're there for her on subscription if it's more convenient to add an item to a shopping list to pick up, you know, in your stock up trip at Walmart, we'll be there. Once we can return um, to our our gym safely, and I know in many cities we are, we'll be in those Equinox bathrooms. Truly, you know, access should be broad and defined by the consumer, not by the brand.
0: Okay, so I have a few follow up questions on on a couple of things you said. What, the first one is, how do you how did you as a CMO break, help break that cycle of loyalty that you get from your mother passed down to the daughter? Is it just you know ecological, or how how do you get that message across enough that it breaks that loyalty?
1: So to break through in a category where the behavior is rote passive loyalty, you really need to make sure that you're delivering on a problem that she didn't even know she had. And to do that, again, we kind of went back to the simple question of, do you know what's in your tampon? Because it's fast. It's quick. You know the answer right away. The answer is going to upset you. The brand doesn't make you feel stupid. In fact, we are relating right there with you, you know, as female founders ourselves, we also didn't know. So we're right there with her, not speaking down to her, but speaking on her level and then following that up with a solution. You know, you should know, you do deserve to know, even if the FDA isn't mandating it, brands should go above and beyond what regulatory bodies ask of us, because you deserve to know what you're putting in and on your body. You should feel good about it for yourself and for future generations.
0: And then how do you grow from a single product line type product of tampons to a lifestyle brand?
1: Yeah. So that's exactly the question uh, that Jordana and Alex asked me to come and, and help them solve. And, you know, they smartly realized that, again, direct-to-consumer subscription is a business model, not a brand. Organic cotton tampons is a product, not a brand. So what is Lola going to be when she grows up and, and how do we scale and actually kind of get up to that you know, Coke equals happiness level of brand development. So again, it all starts at the consumer. What is the problem that we're solving for her? And how can we do that beyond just one product? Is it more products? Is it other types of solutions? What does she need from us? And that really actually is the beauty of the direct consumer business Beyond, you know, financially from having recurring revenue that you can rely on, which is awesome, and why as a business person I love subscription, but as a marketer, I love direct-to-consumer because it's the only place where you have that one-to-one connection. So it really is a broad general population goldmine of information and insights and consumer habits. And people are so willing to let you in if you ask the right questions and you're genuine and authentic in how you speak to them and you follow up with a solution. So when we started speaking to our community, what we were hearing loud and clear was that period care wasn't the only space within their reproductive health journey where there were questions or unknowns or rote loyalty or just frankly surprised by that next stage. So the amount of women, for example, who went through pregnancy and literally had no idea what to expect in postpartum recovery or were experiencing incontinence at the age of 35 after they had their second child and thought that there was something tremendously wrong with them and ran to their doctor only to learn that this was normal. Expose the fact that it's not just great product solutions that we need, it's actually the resources and the education and access to experts that's only continuing to get harder and harder to, you know, get quality information if you look to Dr. Google or WebMD. And then on the flip side, our, you know, medical community is increasingly reactive and managed by insurance as opposed to being proactive and you know, having that relationship with the doctor and the patient. So that's really when we leaned into this idea that there should be one brand that's there for a consumer throughout the reproductive health journey from first period to last hot flash. And even when you look at the large CPGs and the umbrella brands that they have, you know they're not covering each stage. They're really focused on being experts at R&D or product technology versus being experts in the consumer. So that's what differentiates Lola from our incumbent competitors, as well as you know the, the newbies who are coming and following in our footsteps, is that we really will be there throughout, not just with great quality products, but with those resources and that community that she needs to be prepared for what's coming next.
0: So talk to me about how you actually go about talking to your consumers. I know, of course, you have their names and their addresses, of course, but how do you get them to talk back to you beyond, you know, just sending them the package?
1: Sure. So we reinvented our blog, which was really an awesome place to access content, but it was one-way content when we first launched. And about a year or two ago, we really wanted to open that space up and make it more of a two-way street so she could come and ask questions about her reproductive health. And we would have experts, whether it was, you know, a physician, a dietitian, a nutritionist, an advocacy expert, there at her fingertips 24-7 to answer any question that she had. So You know, that really was a huge step forward in engaging our community and and building it to 2 million members now nationwide. And it's accessible for folks who might not be Lola paying customers. You know, we welcome all people to that community. It's accessible for free because we believe that education around women's reproductive health should be free and accessible to all.
0: Can you give us an example of how that community spawned a new product or a customer insight that helped you change the way you do things?
1: Yeah. So going back actually to one of the first kits and guides that we launched, that community of moms and dads who were trying to figure out how to prepare their daughters for their first period was a huge influx of consumers, both male and female and gender non-binary, who were wondering, you know, my daughter is nine. I'm not going to have her go through, you know, the typical sex ed. And when I learned about periods and women's reproductive health, it was within the sex ed conversation. So how do we as a brand show up for parents who are not ready to have that type of conversation with their nine-year-old? but do need to teach her about what to expect when she gets her first period so she's not afraid. So in in having listening sessions with those consumers and a lot of inbounds to our CX, it came to the point where we were able to create a new product, which is really unique on the marketplace because it does offer all of the products she needs, but also a pamphlet inside that speaks to her on her level. So it doesn't sound scary. It doesn't sound clinical. It literally sounds like your older sister is explaining to you what's gonna happen. And here are the types of products that you might use. And here are maybe some of the different use occasions. So while you might start with pads, if you're gonna go swimming, that's a great time to try a tampon for the first time. Just, you know, make sure that you take this if you go on a a sleepover, just in case it happens at a friend's house. What happens if you think you get it in class? Raise your hand. Here's how to talk to your teacher about it. So all of these things that literally we wish we had had when when we were going through that stage of life. And as you know, new parents and new moms, what we want to have for, for our children to be prepared is what we were able to create for our community. And it's one of our best-selling items.
0: So I, I, I assume that your, your online site, especially now that you don't have to have just a subscription there, you can launch new products there, innovate a little bit more quickly than, than and decide what goes to the brick and mortar. Can you talk to a little bit about how you use data To make those decisions?
1: Yes. So the decisions of which new products to launch, again, fueled by our community. We get so many inbounds from our customer experience team. You know, I wish Lola had XYZ. And once we hear that enough, we have an internal system to flag the product development team to say, hey, you guys definitely should do a quantitative survey to see if this is, you know, allowed minority or there is an actual real pent up demand for Lola to offer this new product. One of the most recent items that we launched utilizing that exact process is our massager. So we went into sexual wellness with, you know, condoms, lubricant, and wipes. And we hadn't intended to really plus up that category on a skew um, basis this year. We were really focused on extending into new categories like the launch of vaginal health and a few other categories that we're going to be launching later this year. But what we were hearing from our community, particularly in this time of more isolation when we were at the height of COVID was that self-play and partner pleasure play were things that our community wanted. We were seeing this like huge uptick in lubricant, both in D2C and in brick and mortar. And this new demand for pleasure spiked, and we had to take advantage of it. So we were able to quickly launch a massager, run all of the at-home use tests that we normally do to make sure that we get that 75% top two box liking. That's the hurdle for us to launch any new item run price elasticity, and get it live in pre-buy, which has also been a new feature that we were able to launch on mylola.com this year, which has been incredibly amazing to get that early read data to help us manage our inventory buys.
0: So to be clear, when you have a new item that you're testing, you just put it right into the boxes. Do they have to request it or it just comes and and you see if they like it?
1: No, they have to request it. Absolutely. So all of our home use tests, we have screener surveys. It's opt-in, you know, volunteering to to partake in in that consumer testing workflow. But again, our community is super engaged and excited to help us grow. They have seen time and time again that when they ask, we answer, and they know that we're here to listen to their feedback. And if it's not good enough, we won't launch it. We'll come back with something new. If it is, we'll make it available for the broader community. And they have that first access on D2C. Again, we then use that as our our learning lab, right? If something skyrockets and we're seeing a trend really take off and direct to consumer, we absolutely utilize those insights to then put together our next innovation meeting for the buyers at our retail partners, the line reviews that we go into. And that does definitely differentiate us from the rest of the pack in terms of thinking about how to then translate that into at-shelf environment. Because a lot of the times it can't be done one-to-one, but we can learn from what we see in D2C and say, okay, in your sales channel for your shopper and their mindset, how do we utilize those insights insights and bring it to life so that you can win in your category.
0: All right, so we've talked a lot about your product development and how you how you make choices and innovate and things like that. But how how let's talk about how you're driving subscriptions, how you're driving sales now in brick and mortar. You know, how did you start that strategy? How has it evolved? And then let's talk a little bit about brick and mortar next.
1: Sure. So from a paid media perspective, the past 2 years has been probably the biggest roller coaster ride I've ever been taken on in, you know, my decade plus in in media. The media landscape was already shifting and the pandemic just took it into overdrive. And what I mean by that is, you know, Facebook and Instagram as these, you know, cheap dr places to acquire new customers you know that started to fade away i would say in probably like 2015 2016 the writing was on the wall that cpas were continuing to make huge step changes for for us in the wrong direction for facebook in the in the right direction i guess but that there wasn't really this arbitrage opportunity that there was when you know I was at Dollar Shave Club as an example, and you know with other brands that had higher tolerance. For for CPAs, you know, we're a CPG personal care product company. Our, you know, average price point is $10. So to see those CPAs get to a place where payback was just impossible was not going to be sustainable from a business perspective where profitability is key. And so we really kind of took a brand new look at our paid mix particularly since we were going into brick and mortar to ensure that we had the right level of DR, but also mid funnel and upper funnel media out there, which had not been the case previously. So all that's to say is we had to be there when she was raising her hand and we're really leaning into high purchase intent channels like search shopping and affiliates where she's actively seeking out our product. And frankly you know, a lot of people are moving their money now to, to search and our category is getting pretty crowded. So we have to be there competitively when she is looking for us. And in doing so, we saw over an 80% decrease in our blended CPA year over year, which has enabled our D2C channel to be profitable. So it's less about scale at all costs and more about finding those quality customers who are going to stay with you, provide high LTV and really make that LTV to cap ratio make sense to drive a profitable channel. And that becomes even more important when you are launching into retail, because typically your year one retail is not going to be profitable. There's a ton of upfront cost that comes with launching into retail. You need to make sure that your unit velocity is turning not to your internal expectations, but also now you have the expectations of the buyer. So the sort of allowance of failure becomes slim to none when you've got you know buyers as that critical intermediary of whether or not you're going to stay on shelf next year. So that really does require a D2C team to kind of rethink their marketing strategy, think more like the big CPGs, and make sure that you have a pretty decent balance of CPA, CPC, and CPM buys. Whereas you know in a D2C only world, you're only focused on CPA.
0: So so with that, you've gone into the CPM buys for the brick and mortar. And how are you, how do you know if it's working? (laughs) It's easy in D2C, right? (laughs)
1: even in retail i mean you know we we launched we ran a flight of media for a little bit we pulled back all media to see what our true baseline would be it was also at a point in time where you know stores were limiting their foot traffic capacity down to 25% closing early it didn't make any sense to have awareness driving media when the stores themselves limited their traffic so we had The weird benefit, I guess you could say, of having a true test where there was no media and then there was media to gauge the before and after lift. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, tried and true equations, reach and frequency matter, and they do drive sales. And we saw the lift pretty much immediately, and we've continued to see it, you know, continue as... Our impression level gets to a place that's healthier, kind of build upon itself and drive those baseline POS gains. I think the other sort of benefit that Lola has that maybe some other brands who are in more high-low environments is that Walmart is EDLP. And so again, it helps cut the noise of other promotions that you're running out and really helps us isolate the drivers within our media mix as opposed to, you know, having a BOGO or a $5, you know, cash back.
0: Yeah. And so for, Tyler, for our listeners, I, I, I assume EDLP is everyday low price. You don't have to, you're, you're not driving right. through promotion.
1: Right. Very few couponing, very few great promo.
0: Got it. So, so you seem like, it seems like there's a lot of data decisioning. I just want to have one question that's specific to how do you use your data? Do you have spreadsheets? Are there systems? Do you have data scientists? You know how, how does this all work behind the scenes for Lola?
1: Yeah, so we have lots of places to collect data. On the D2C front, we use Looker as a BI tool to help us visualize our data. We do have a dedicated data analyst on the team since so much comes through on, on D2C and you're able to get into that individual level with that channel. So, the, the short answer there is that we we'll look at it on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis with spreadsheets as well as. Bar charts and and graphs. We meet monthly to understand what's working, what's non working, what's not working, and drive all of our decisions based on data. But they also have to have that qualitative overlay as well, because you can manipulate data to tell whatever story (laughs) you want. So we really need to be cautious about looking at the right data. And that starts with asking good questions. So that data can help you deliver answers and and drive decisions and better outcomes for the business as a whole. On the retail side, we utilize Nielsen, so scan data, as well as shopper panel data to, again, add that qualitative layer to the quant we're seeing. And we definitely heavily rely on our broker network that we launched into when we became a multi-retail player. So when we launched In April of 2020, we were just at Walmart. This year, we've expanded to also be on Amazon in Meijer, as well as HEB. So obviously, Nielsen helps us understand what's going on at the XAOC level in brick and mortar. And then we get information from our friends at Amazon to help layer that layer of data. You know, I think... Unfortunately, there is not one data provider that can do it all for us right now, so it is a bit of triangulation that's required internally to put all those pieces together, and there's still a lot of missing data, right? We can't get access yet to all of the other D2C sales that are happening in our category. And we know that there are a lot of them. We can't get full access to Costco. That's always been the case. Even when I was at Colgate, we didn't have access to Costco data. So there's still a lot of consumer money that's being spent on our categories that we can't see. But we know that directionally, you know, we can make some pretty good bets and good assumptions with those three data points that we do have from D2C. Nielsen, and Amazon.
0: Great. So our time's almost up. What is next for Lola? It seems like Lola's moving fast. What What are we going to see with the rest of 2021?
1: Yes, fast and furious. So you'll see a ton of new product launches. This year is, is definitely the year that we're turning on new product development in a major way. Last year, we limited it because we didn't want to overstretch the company, and we knew we had to really build out our operational infrastructure to service retail and not stress it out with a bunch of additional NPD. This year, we've got that operational structure intact, and so new product development is happening fast and furious. We did seven new products in Q1, and that pace consumers should expect to continue from us over the course of the next um, 12 to 18 months we are also absolutely driving towards that vision of completing her lifelong journey. So not only will you see new products in existing categories, but you'll also see new products in categories that deliver solutions for later stages in the reproductive health journey.
0: Amazing. So thank you very much. That does it for another edition of Hidden Layers. My guest has been Monica Belcito, the CMO of Lola. I'm Jeremy Fane, your host. Thank you again for tuning in. And we look forward to having you guys around next time. Thank you very much.